Good morning, good morning, good morning. And welcome, Facebook family, to Relationship Lounge presents Reveal and Heal. You know, you can't heal what you want to be. I'm Coach Bear. I want to welcome you. Go ahead and tag your friends and tag your neighbors. Tag everyone you know that needs to hear a motivation word. I have an amazing guest today, Mr. Larry King Jr. He's going to come to you with an amazing word. He's going to inspire you, motivate you, and help you along the week. Our topic this week is a change has come. I know many of you have experienced many changes in your life. And some of them you probably regret, regret. Some of them you probably wish had never occurred. But one thing about change is that you have to make mistakes. You have to, you know, uh, go through different things in order to grow. We call those growing things. So I want you to put your hands together. And I want you to welcome my special guest, Mr. Larry King Jr. Sir, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine. And yourself? I am wonderful. I'm so glad to have you. Of course, you know I've been wanting you to be a guest on Revealing Here for some time now. And I'm glad that you, of course, uh, made time for Reveal and Heal. I'd like for you to take this time and share with the people, who is Larry King Jr.? Well, Larry King Jr. is, uh, he's a father, he's a brother, uh, he's a son, he's an uncle. Um, he's a grandfather. He's a mentor. He is a associate minister. He is a firefighter. I'm many things to many people. Um, but one thing I can say who I truly am is that I'm, I'm a man of God that loves God. All right. Okay. Love, love, love all of those things. You know, I know uh, your family. You have an amazing family. Yes. And you have a sister that always quote the statement, you know, he may not be perfect, but he's perfect for me. Right. And I think that is so beautiful that you have such a bond uh, with your sister. I know that everyone that knows you love you because you impact their lives. So let's talk about you. Uh, I just, you mentioned being a grandfather. And I didn't prepare you for this one, but I know you love those G-babies. Let's talk about your grandbabies for a minute. I want you to talk about how special they are to you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Those are my heart. Uh, the first one is um, Lauren Kelly King. That's my baby. Uh, that's my first granddaughter. And, of course, you know, the first is not your favorite. The first is the um, what I call the experimental child. I experimented a lot of things with her. I think the biggest thing that I, when I look at her and I look at my other grandbaby, I always think of is that there's a piece of me in them. Uh, those two girls, oh, the second one is Aubrey King. Uh, she's just a character in herself. Uh, those girls touch my heart because in this day and time, there has to be a grouping of males around females. And I thank God for the two females because I am able to guide and rear them from a male's perspective of life. Um, and I, I, just, I just enjoy them. I mean, they, they, they motivate me to keep moving. They motivate me to, you know, think about the legacy that I will leave and that I'm uh, 
actually doing now for them. Now, you know, that just, that just moves right into my next question, which is what is your story? Because one thing about a dad, you know, or in a granddad, I believe that your story is broad because you're the legacy leaders. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's like you are, have, are under the pressure of making sure that you ha uh, create such an impact on the lives of the females, you know, in your family. Sure. So talk to us uh, this morning about, you know, share your story, you know, uh, and, and explain in, in, in some way the change that has come uh, in your life to uh, create such a mindset to where you, you know, your mind is to leave uh, a great legacy for your, your grandbabies. Because you know, as parents, Larry, that's our, our learning stage. You know what I'm saying? That, that's right. where, you know, when you become a parent, it doesn't come with a manual, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to figure it out. It's like you learn as you go. And then you got different people, you know, in your life, moms, dads, grandparents, uncles, aunties, friends, books, whatever the case may be, you try to figure this thing out. And along the way, you make so many mistakes. And sometimes when you, you, you when your kids get older, they want to steadily remind you of the mistakes that you made, you right. know. And as grandparents, what we do, we try to be better to our right. grandchildren. Then we watch right? our kids. Yes, ma'am. We give it all I got, all we got, don't we? Yes, ma'am. Let's talk about your story. To speak on that part, um, I had two kids when I was in college. My oldest son, Bravante King, and I had my daughter, Ticosa King. So I'm in college. So of course, don't know how to be a father. Uh, didn't have a father figure around the house to even, uh, to, 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 to be an example for me. Uh, so I, like you said, I made a lot of mistakes. But I'm, I'm in college and I have two kids. So I wasn't the greatest of fathers because I didn't know how to be a father. So I just thought, you know, hey, I'm, I'm living my best life. I'm doing me. When doing me, I forgot about the other two. It's not that I was not in their lives. It was the fact that I was trying to find me as they was trying to find themselves. So that made me become a better person and then I had two more other kids um, which the mistakes and the wrong decisions that I made with the first two I made sure I didn't do it with the second two uh, number one is to be more understanding the more is to not let my pride or my ego uh, move me from having a relationship with my kids so that brings me to my grandkids the legacy and the things that I do for them is not that I'm making up or trying to make up with them for the things that I've done wrong with my kids is the fact that I've, I'm, I've, I'm more learned or more taught in experience what not to do with them. Then my finances is different. My mindset is different. My spirituality is different. And then I have a closer relationship with God because I truly feel the closer you get to God, the more you know how to treat, whether it's family members or anybody. You, you, it just opens up a different avenue for you and your, with your mindset and your thinking. Is there anything that you went through growing up, you know, as a kid through your teenage years and your adult years 
is there anything that you 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 stated as a child when you grow older you wouldn't do? Oh yes, ma'am. For your child, uh, where your children or grandchildren were concerned, that you would do differently. Yes, ma'am. So, I grew up in a an abusive home. Uh, uh, my father beat my mother, and she he did a lot of other things. He verbally abused her, physically abused her. Um, uh, he he uh, abused my sister and I. And one thing I said as a father that I would never abuse my kids because abuse is not just physically, but just mentally and verbally abuse. Uh, I was called everything. I mean, dumb, wouldn't be, S. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just horrific uh, what we had to go through. So my, my, my thought was everything that my father said I would not be, I strive to be that and more. Um, I, I always told myself I would never be verbally abusive to women. I said to myself that I, you know, well, I won't say, let me go back. I started off in life being a verbally abusive, but not physically abusive because I just seen the physical part of it and didn't understand until my later years that words can do just as amount of much damage as actually touching somebody because a mental state of a person um, is detrimental, not only to your life, but to their life. Uh, my father, he was a Vietnam vet, uh, had a lot of mental issues due to the fact of uh, him being in Vietnam. He was um, hit with the, with where Agent Orange was at the most in Okinawa. We found out in his death that that's where he was at. So there were some things mentally that my father went through that he perpetuated on us because he never knew his father. Uh, and they wouldn't tell him who his father was. So that made him angry. So the anger from him, from not knowing his father and not being able to be a father, it, 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 it transferred into me. But it had to stop in me because I had a praying mother. And she was determined that um, I wasn't going to be raised, that I was going to be equal. And I was going to have some, some equilibrium in my life with uh, being raised. So I said to myself that I wasn't going to do that. Uh, my father didn't hardly work. We basically lived off of his check that he got every month. So in my mind, I always said to myself that I want to be a worker for my family. I never wanted to sit down on my family. Uh, there was times that we would come home and the lights off and water. There was times that I would have to leave school early to go take a shower or take a bath at school. And then with all of that, trying to learn and trying to make a better future for yourself can be kind of heart wrenching, especially when you see everybody else appears uh, that their family intact and that everything is going good. You know, there was a lot that I had to fight through, but I made it through once again with the praying mother, because the times that I wanted to give up and um, thought about killing myself and thought negative of myself, I, my mother would always tell me, you know, uh, there's a reason why you're going through what you're going through. And it used to upset me. And she used to say this one thing that I used to get upset about. She said, this time next year, we're going to laugh about it. Well, at the time, it was not funny to me, but I understood because as time go on, things progress, your mental faculties grow and um, you get a little more educated in life. And then, like I said, she took us to church every time the doors was open. So the spiritual part uh, 
overpowered the, 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 the mental part and the physical part of the things that I was going through. So I said I would never do that with my kids, but now there were mistakes that I made uh, with my kids, but I didn't make the same mistakes that my father made. I kept a couple of his characteristics, which God has removed from me. Uh, but, you know, and I told myself that I will always be a father. I will always be there. Even though me and my son and my oldest son and my oldest daughter didn't have the greatest relationships, but I was at football games. I was at basketball games. I used to drive up to Nashville uh, for my daughter for PTA meetings. I was determined that no matter what I had to go through uh, to get to them, I was going to do it in spite of, you know, the things that their mothers would say. I was determined because I know the importance of having a father and a positive figure in your life. So then that translated through to me now that I know I can be a better father, also a greater grandfather. Yes. Yes and yes and yes. When it comes to your education, your choices that you made, I know that you uh, went into the military. Mm -hmm. What was your motivation for going into the military? To make a better life for my family. Uh, because I knew there that if nothing else, we were gonna have a place to live and we will have something to eat. So that, that motivated me. And then my mother was in the army and my father was in the Marines. So I come out of a military family. I know that you were, that you're very close to your sister and you were her protector. Correct. Did you have reservations about leaving your mom and your sister, you know, the ones you had protected? When I went off to Cotweb, well, before my father died, when I was 16, uh, so everything was left, everything was left in my hands. So at, at 15, 16, I, I basically was, cause he, he left the house, I think when I was 14, maybe 15. So basically everything as a grown man fell in my hands in, a, in the hands of a teenager. So I've always been protected of my sister and my mother and my two uh, little brothers. Uh, when I went out to college, that was like one of the hardest things for me to do because my fear was that I felt that the house would fall to pieces. Not that my mother wasn't strong, but me and my sister, you know, we, we shored her up uh, financially. So I thought maybe if I left, uh, that that would fall. But my mother, I never forget, she pulled me into the room and she said, no matter what, I make this boat stay afloat. She said, but I want you to build your boat because you have a family and you make sure that your boat is not like my boat. And that, that meant a lot to me because uh, she basically released me to start building my own boat. Because if not, I would stay in her boat. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful quote, too, because it set you free. Correct. You know, and uh, release you not to feel guilt, right. you know, for leaving. So now you went to the military, you came back home had a family of your own. Uh, what would you say were some uh, experiences, you know, in the military that has contributed to you being the great man you are today? Well, I, I have this quick story I'm gonna tell. 
when I was in the military, and and, th and this is how you know, this is how you know how good God is. I was in the military, and they overpaid me for, I think about three months. And in the military, they don't believe in, you know, giving a hundred dollars a month. They just take it out. So for three months, I had zero dollars, zero. Uh, I had a family, had a wife, had a car note. For three whole months, I had zero dollars. And when I tell you, God made a way. Uh, we had a station wagon at the time, and I would take, I would go around picking up scrap metal, aluminum cans, whatever. And I had a, a, you know, a wife that she was, she was, she was beautiful. Whatever her hands touched, God bless. We never went hungry. Uh, I, like I told you, we had a car that we was paying off. I mean, that we was paying for. And in that three months, we actually paid the car off. We never missed a beat. Uh, I remember coming in to work one day in the military and my, my staff sergeant came up to me. And he told me to come into the room. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, this morning, God placed you on my heart. He said, what I'm about to do, I can get in trouble for. He said, but I have to do what God said do. He didn't know my situation. He didn't know what was going on. He, he handed me a crisp $100 bill. And, and when I tell you my faith was uplifted, and I truly believe that's the reason why God allowed me to go in the military, because I didn't have no one to lean on. I didn't have mama, uh, was no one there. I was the man. And I went back to the days of my father. I said, I will not come home. The lights be off and, and the water be off and different things. So I, the, the tenacity that I had in the military made me who I am. And then that's when my, that's when I was also called to the ministry uh, in 99 in the military. But prior to me going to the military, it had already been prophesied by a gentleman by the name of Elder Liner. And even to this day, I do this. When God shows you somebody and you tell them what God said, God also wants you to invest in them monetarily and also with time. He told me you're going to be a minister. Now you got to think I'm still on the streets. I'm still selling the little drugs that I'm selling. I'm still buying stolen radios, doing all of this. And this man tells me this and I just bust out laughing, but he came back to church the next Sunday and blessed me with like, blessed me with four books. He gave me a custom and manner, Strong's Concordance, a Bible and a Bible dictionary, which I still have to this day. So he not only did he say that he invested in me. So from that point on, people had invested in my life, which blessed my ministry, which made me succumb to running away from being a minister. So that's what the military uh, really done for me. It, it basically broke me down like they do when you come into the military. They break you down to the lowest common denominator and then build you up the way they want you to think and do. And that's what the military done for me, not only physically, but also spiritually, because that's when there was a breakdown and an uplifting uh, in my spirit with God. So what was your transition like when you left the military? Well, what I know, you know, being used to, you know, living a certain way, you know, and following different rules you are like released independently. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you got to create your own way of doing things. 
So what was that transition like, you know, getting into the groove of, you know, the natural man, if you know what I mean? Because right. you you had to make sure there was a home for your family. Correct. You had to, you know, provide for your family. And of course you had been called to the ministry. So I'm sure that that was like a jump too, because you had to find, you know, um, a church home and you probably even, it was probably even challenging for you to uh, uh, feel or understand your place in the ministry. You know what I'm saying? So oh, what was those experiences like, you know, in case someone is listening, you know, this morning is in that transition right there. You know what, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's one thing to be in a stable stationed place where yeah. you got people, you know, that you can turn to and you know what's going to take place pretty much from day to day because you follow certain rules. But when you're released to just make it on your own, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it was, it was a, it was a great challenge because when I came back, I went back to my home church, uh, which that was a struggle. Uh, because as I told you, there was a lot of domestic violence in my home. So I was a, what they would consider a bad child. Uh, but no one ever stopped and asked the question, you know, what's wrong with him? Why? I mean, they pretty much knew our situation, but no one never took the time to just say, you know, well, what's wrong with him? Uh, how can we mentor him? Uh, there was no structure. Uh, so when I got out the military, I had structure. Uh, I knew what planning your day looks like. I knew what discipline looked like. I knew what integrity looked like. I knew what courage looked like. I knew what honor looked like. Cause those are the, the, the things that we built that we was built on in the military. But most of all, it was the prayer of not only my, my, my wife and me, but uh, my wife at the time, but me, but it was the prayer of my mother. Uh, I, I, I go back to her uh, because she, was the covering for me while I was uncovered. Um, and coming back to a church, to a church in a society, uh, because I've changed my life. So the people I hung out with the, in the streets, they don't understand. The people in the church don't understand because what people say, sometimes they really don't mean. The people in the church wanted to be saved, but then when I got saved, it was like, Paul, is he truly saved? The people in the world didn't want me to leave because of the entertainment and the things that I did for them in the world. So there was a struggle. The discipline part and the integrity part of the military and also as I got, close, I mean, got closer to God and in my word, I was able to structure myself to where there was a serving of God and not of people. Because no matter which way I, I felt to me, no matter which way I went, I was pleasing people. My thing was I wanted to please God. So when I came home, um, quick story, they didn't even acknowledge me as a minister. My pastor didn't because he said that I did it without him. And I was like, well, I was in the military and the pastor of that church acknowledged me. And so that was a struggle. Um, for a moment, I couldn't find a job. And here it is. I just got out the military, but God blessed me. Uh, to go in, go to school, school and do start doing construction work. So that even with that, there was challenges coming out the military. But once again, 
because there was structure, I knew that if I stayed in this lane, that eventually what I needed, God was going to provide for me. Um, when I say God was going to provide, we had set up that if we didn't get a house in a year, we was going to move. And the day before the year, God blessed us with a house. Uh, in that year, uh, my pastor then finally acknowledged me as the minister and my ministry uh, took off and it was, it was a, it was a blessing, but there was a struggle in there. And, and I thank God for the struggle because I was able to learn things that I would need for the future. Right. Yes. And see, that's the point. That's, that's the point I'm moving. Uh, I'm moving toward right now um, regarding changes, you know, that took place in, in your, through your journey, experiences, choices, you know, uh, so many different things. Time don't, won't permit us to, you know, touch on these things, but let's talk about the positive uh, in that transition. Cause I know that you are a captain mm -hmm. of Tennessee's fire department. You are also established uh, a pastor of your own ministry. Correct. Um, you're doing amazing things. And I know that through choices and experiences that you went through that you didn't, you know, plan, you made it through. Right. You made it through. Your oldest daughter is in the military. I think she's overseas somewhere, right? Right. Head to Italy. Yes, ma'am. Your sons are doing great. Your, mm -hmm. You know, your young daughter is doing great. It's like, you know, all is well. So let's talk about the change that came. You know, uh, it was a long time coming, but it came. Right. But for yeah. you to be where you are today, because you're really in a great place. So we want to speak to the people that, you know, feel like, you know, it ain't going to get no better. You know, where it just seemed like it's always like this. And your past is not it, it's it's not the plan of God for you. You know, it doesn't dictate right. who you are and where God is taking you. Right. Well, I'm 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 truly, really. uh when I tell you that my heart is heavy because I'm really trying to keep from, from crying because when I look back uh, over my life, uh, there was a couple of things that I left out, which I don't mind sharing. Uh, I actually used to eat out of Dunkin' Donuts trash cans because I knew that they threw their Dunkin' old donuts away at six o'clock. Um, I would steal and do things to make sure that my family ate and those things uh, catapulted me and made me realize and make me look at things totally different. Uh, as you stated, I'm a captain in the fire department and the motivation, no matter where I went, there was always a goal that I was going to reach. Uh, even in life, when my daddy called me a dumbass and I wasn't going to be anything, uh, I, I sit here with three college degrees and with three associates and working on my bachelor's in ministry, which I should graduate this July. So I go from being called a dummy, dumbass, and different things from my father to being well-educated. Um, I look at the struggles of, you know, me and my mother having to go to different churches, asking them if they have a food pantry or clothes pantry. And I look at now, I can eat wherever I want to eat. I have so many clothes now that I, you know, I, I can choose, I can wear an outfit every day 
and still wouldn't wear the same thing. And it's, it's, I'm not bragging, but I'm just showing you how good God is. Uh, uh, you know, I had to get my stuff from yard sales, flea markets, and now I can go into a store and buy basically whatever I want. Um, but the most important thing is as a child, I feel that the church neglected me because of my behavior, because of how I did. Now, I can't fault them because I won't lie to you. I would cuss you out in church. Uh, I got to fighting in church. But because I was damaged, because I was broken, no one, you know, reached out to me. So I made up in my mind that I was going to be an advocate for broken young men and young women. Most kids are not bad. It's something behind it. Um, I took, uh, um, I, I got a degree in social work. And uh, so you have to take a lot of psychology classes. There's a something that's called an iceberg theory. In other words, when you see an iceberg, you see just the tip of it. But if you could look up under the water, it's bigger than what it appears up top. And a lot of times we just see the small things that people do, but it's bigger. It's something bigger or something more detrimental than what you see. So that what made me start wanting to be, uh, uh, I started off as a, a, a Sunday school teacher for the youth. Then I ended up being a youth pastor. And now I'm a pastor of my own ministry. Uh, don't have a church because I don't want, at this point in time, I don't want to be a pastor of a church, which is the building, what we call the building. But the church is you. My ministry is in the schools, I do a, I do a mentoring. I, I had a little mentoring program at Hardy Elementary in Chattanooga, which is quote unquote, one of the rough schools. So I go around to different schools and just mentoring. Uh, I'm working with a great gentleman now uh, named Alan Green. Uh, I met him, he's in the fire department, has a beautiful testimony about being molested and different things. And he come out, he, he's a, he got a, I think a master's in biology you know, so me and him got together and now we deal with young men and young women. Uh, my sister is beautiful with young women because she went from being molested to being mistreated. Um, so the so my mother used to say this and I didn't, once again, I didn't understand. The pain that you go through is not always for you. It's to help somebody not to go through the pain you just went through. So I found out that the things that I went through, the majority of, of it was not for me. It was to help someone that could not make it through what I went through. And then a lot of times people don't want to talk to you if you've never been through nothing. There it is. So a lot of these, and, I, and I'm going to say it the way I feel, super pseudo saints who's, who never done anything, not that they can't be effective, but the fact that they are less effective because their experiences are, I say, shallow. When you look at Paul, look at everything that Paul, Paul was educated through Greek, through Roman. He was a Roman citizen. I mean, everything that Paul went through, everything that Paul done set him up for the New Testament. And I, when I look at my life, I, 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 I compare myself to three people. I compare myself to David. I compare myself to Paul and I compare myself to the prodigal son. And all three of them share one thing. 
people people looked over them. People talked about them. People mistreated them. But the beautiful part about that, those same people that people looked over end up being the savior for the children of Israel or for whatever situation. Um, so I thank God for what I went through because like I said, now I own homes, I own property, uh, ministry is doing well. Uh, I'm, I must be at a great place. I'm on Reveal and Heal. So God is a blessing. Uh, and, you know, so because you are where you are now, it's not where you're going to be. If we truly believe that God is the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. Notice I said the beginning and the end. So he's already been through your life. You have to live your life knowing that God has already been through it. So where you are is where God has destined you to be. I have a tattoo on my arm that says Jeremiah 1 and 5. It says, before you was formed in your mother's belly, I knew you. And when you was born, I sanctified you. I set you apart as a prophet for such as a time as this. Well, it's my time. Every prophet had their own time. And every prophet was not liked in, they, in, in being prophetic. Because sometimes prophecy has to come in what we think is the negative way. And then sometimes we have prophecy that, you know, we consider blessings. So I had to go through uh, real quick. David, they didn't even consider him when Samuel came and said, I have must anoint him. He out in the field fighting lions and bears. Well, the reason being, and tending sheep, the reason being because there was going to be a Goliath. So he was able to testify to Saul about, he said, who is this Philistine that disrespects us? And they said, well, you can't do it. Well, his testimony was like, I fought bears and lions. If he would have never fought bears and lions, he would not have had the confidence to fight Goliath. Then you go to Paul, when, when the Bible says that Paul was knocked off his horse, he was going to crucify the saints. Well, that was me. I couldn't stand church people because of how they treated me. So I was crucifying the saints. I made everybody wrong, but never looked at myself. But when I got knocked off my horse in that light shine, I was able to run. No, everybody didn't believe that I was saved. Everybody just knew, well, just give him a little time. He going back into the streets. The prodigal son. I took all the gifts that God had gave me and I used it in the world. But the beautiful part about it is that I, went, I didn't even make it all the way back, just like the prodigal son's father did. He ran to him, kissed him. And as soon as the prodigal son was getting ready to start talking, he said, don't say anything. He restored him back, everything that he has lost. And I truly believe that, that those three stories is my life. And not only now, but I believe the, the best is yet to come. I just have to go through. There's going to be some more trials and tribulations because in James it says, count it all joy. Not if, but when you fall into divers temptation. And that word divers mean many. So there's going to be it. But I have to keep on because the next one says it worketh patience. And when patience has its perfect works. So it's not over. It's just the beginning. Amen. Amen and amen. So tell me, Larry, 
as we get, begin to close. What is it that you, you want people to remember about you when you have fought a good fight and kept the faith and gone home to be with the Lord? I want them to remember that you, that you looked at somebody that was imperfect, but striving to be perfect. You looked at someone that had a rough past, but God is smoothing out his future. I want you to look at someone that thought he would never make it, but he's making it and may and going to continue to make it. When you think about me, I want you to think that no matter what I'm going through, God has better for me. If I just hold on and keep the faith, uh, I could be honest with you. I didn't start. How long, how long have me and you known each other? Eight years, eight years, eight years. When I met you, I was in transition and from living paycheck to paycheck. God allowed me to come into your life and you spoke word, words into my life. There are things that you said that you don't have a clue of how it solidified my life. Uh, something as simple as just doing my taxes. Uh, the, the, the confidence of being able to trust you because you can't trust every tax prepared. Uh, the words of encouragement that you would give me when you say, nah, what's wrong? You know, so I want, I want to also be known as a person that's willing to listen, that's willing to change, that's willing to, to, to move. I want to always stay pliable, pliable so I can be moved and molded into what it is that God made me. Because one thing about it, and this is key for this, this story, and I ended here. The Bible says when he told him to go, when he told him to go to the potter's house, the Bible says that as he was willing, making the pot, it became messed up. And people forget this part. It says, and he made a different vessel. He made a different vessel, but used the same mud, used the same clay. So that's how I want to be known. If, if, if this don't fit right now, I can make some, I'm saying pliable, to where I can make something else. I want to thank you, Larry. Um, this has been a lot. Uh, and it's really been so good. Uh, I know that there are many that's like me, like, you know, you know, it's really been, whoo, something else. Yeah. And I recommend to everyone that's listening this morning, please go back and listen to the replay, the replay over and over again. I have said before that, you know, when you hear the journey of the people that say yes to sharing their uh, experience with Reveal and Heal, you cannot get it the first time all the good good that they share all of that that they share you can't just you know sup it up on a good biscuit the first go round you got to keep listening because it's going to be something that you want to ponder on you know uh, uh as you're listening and you're going to miss the other parts of the story you know because you're still stuck on some stuff right this is too good to just you know listen one time and do, do yourself a favor and, and do others a favor. Pass this on to 
other people that you know need to hear that you know everybody knows somebody that need to hear a victorious story they need to hear a real life situation that is continuing to get better and better and better once again larry king jr thank you so much for saying yes to this interview and i can tell you we will talk again we will do this again our motivation monday quote is dreams are the seeds of change nothing ever grows without a seed and nothing nothing ever changes without a dream it's so important that we be the change that we wish to see and the way to do that is to just keep on living keep on living mm -hmm. change is gonna come i'm coach Dev. remember you can't heal if you won't reveal Thank you so much, Facebook family, for tuning in. Remember to love yourself, love everybody, and be an example. Have an amazing day. You deserve it.